0: and to try and make ourselves unacceptable and try to make ourselves worthy and forget about the simplicity of just coming to Jesus by, by the blood of the Lamb. So I thought that was just perfect on point. So John chapter 12. I'll uh, going to just pray and I'll get right into it. Father God, just thank you so much, Lord, for the time that they have permitted us to be here, Lord. Uh, 12, 13 weeks now, Lord. And just thank you so much for, for all the fruit that you've made to abound, Lord, and look at these 13 weeks, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that you would just continue to go before us, Lord, in the in, in, in the ministry here to our service territory in the city, Father, you would continue to give us a vision, give us heart for the, for the people here in the city, Father God, and give us a vision as to how, how to reach the community, Lord, and uh, Lord, not for us, not for, us, for the church to Lord, but for your name, in city, Father God. And uh, Lord, uh, I pray that we would just be that light on the hill that you would call us to be, Lord. Father, as we go through this study and the gospel of John, our that your word would just go through us or that you would just convict that you would uh review that you would exhort that you would correct that you would encourage or that you would guide that you would direct that you would just meet us wherever it is that we need to be met today lord through your word in order that your, your, your word would just be that lamp into our feet and that landing to our path today father lord, give us some word for today lord and give us a, a, our daily bread today through the study and ask you this in jesus mighty name amen, amen. 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 cool so john chapter 12 again we're going to continue on. Uh, we had that, that break for Easter, Our Easter message was awesome. Uh, if you guys remember a couple of weeks ago, we were, we, we talked about the, the death of Lazarus, which is there in, in John chapter 11, and just seeing how the Word worked through, through this tragedy, that it, what seemingly was a tragedy, and what was, what was definitely, you know, our situation for the, for the family of Lazarus, sisters, Mary and Martha, who loved Lazarus, obviously as their brother, you know, we saw how the Lord worked through this, through these difficulties, and how the Lord uh, used the death of Lazarus to minister to others. You know, is that serious? trying to preach over? <laughs> <laughs> but, but Father, uh, but again, we're just going to continue on in John chapter 12, and John chapter 12 is actually a continuation of the of, uh, of story of Lazarus. You know, we kind of just see the effects that, that the death of Lazarus had on, on both uh, Lazarus and his sisters and on the spectators who were there as we saw in chapter 11 that it says that many came to the home to mourn for lazarus as well and then on the on the religious jews that were opposing jesus throughout this whole thing so john chapter 12 um, i pretty much broke this down into uh, five sections john in john chapter 12 we're going to see jesus coming to bethany verses 1 through 11 then jesus coming to jerusalem verses 12 through 19 jesus coming to the greeks and verses 20 through 26 Then Jesus coming to his hour in verses 27 to 36. And then finally, Jesus coming to the end of his public ministry in verses 37 to 50. So verses 1 through 8 starts off by saying this, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with them. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikener, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of, his, one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's brother, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was in it. But Jesus said, leave her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. So we see this first section here as uh, Jesus comes back to to Bethany. And so it says that six days before the Passover, and this is the beginning of the last week of Jesus' life here on earth before the crucifixion. And we see that John dedicates uh, almost half of his gospel to this last week. So from here on from chapter 12 and on, it's going to be dedicated to the last week of Jesus' life here before he he was crucified and ascended So John dedicated about half of his gospel just to that week. And we see that Jesus spends part of his last days with his friends, his loved ones. And we see the love of Christ here for his friends, as we saw in chapter 11, when Martha came to entreat Jesus to to go help Lazarus. And what did she say to him? She said, Lord, the one whom you love, whom you love, is sick. So we see that no doubt that they, that they had a, a, a friendship, that they had this uh, camaraderie, you know, that, that, that they, they, they loved each other. They loved each other, you know, they loved Jesus and Jesus loved them, they were, they were, besides the love of God that he had for them, you know, they, they had a friendship. You know, so Martha, besides, Martha uses that as a way to go, hey Lord, the one, the one whom you love is sick. So now we see Jesus after he, he resurrected Lazarus, after he brought him back, back, uh, back to life. What is He doing? Now He's fellowship there. I just think it's awesome that, that, that the Lord, knowing that since last week before He goes to the cross, the last week before He, he is glorified, as we're gonna read later on, the, the last week before He was lifted up and given over to His betrayers and, 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 and mocked and, and crucified. What is He doing in His last week? Well, one of the things that He does is He spends time with His friends and with those whom He loved. I just think that's awesome, our, our Lord. You know, So it says, six days before the Passover, and so we're going to read about Lazarus, it says that Lazarus was, who had been there, whom he had raised from the dead. It says that Lazarus was there, Martha served, Lazarus was there sitting at the table, and Mary was worshipping. So Lazarus, the once dead guy, is now living and fellowshipping with Jesus. We see that this is Lazarus uh, physically, but it's also a picture of us spiritually. You know, Lazarus was dead, <laughs> like, he was literally dead, you know, the Lord brought him back to life. And what does he do? He's back to fellowship with Jesus. You know, so that's a, that's him physically, you know, but it's us spiritually as well as believers. If you place your faith in Jesus Christ, if you come to know Him as your as your Lord, as your Savior, and you've born again by Him and by then born again by the Spirit, you know, then then we too were since brought back from the dead. Remember what we do? Remember, we fellowship with the Lord as well, just like Lazarus. Ephesians two, uh, if you want to tell me? But Ephesians chapter two, verses one through six says this. It says, and you he made alive, were dead in trespasses and sins. So that's speaking of us. So we see that before we, we came to, to know the Lord, before we were born again, before we we, we came to to, to believe on Christ, we were pretty much walking dead. We're like zombies, you know, spiritually. We're walking dead. So that we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. And then there again in Ephesians chapter 2 said uh Verse 2 says, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. So we see that the carnal man, the carnal person, the person who does not know Christ, the person who has not been born again by the spirit, The person just living for his carnal desires, his 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 lust, pretty much whatever his body desires, you just give into it. But that person is is really spiritually dead according to the scriptures, according to the Lord. And it says that that all of us were 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 once like that as well. But he says that he made us alive. Verse four says, But God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, with which he loved us. So notice not because of anything that we did. it's not, that it's not because we deserve this, not because we, we, we worked that way up to it, but it says because of his mercy, because of his great love, it says, which he loved us with, even when we we're dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. It says, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we see it again. Lazarus, who was the once dead guy, now brought back to life, fellowship with, fellowship with the Lord. You know, we see us, you know, we're one spiritually dead, the spiritually dead, dead guys. You know, now we're fellowshipping with the Lord. You know, I said, what beautiful picture of the believer here in Lazarus. And we see that fellowship with Christ comes by death of the old self and a new life in Christ. There's no other way. Just just like with Lazarus, you know, he had to die. And now we see him fellowshiping with the Lord there in the home. You know, us as well. Fellowship with Christ only comes by death. And that is death of the old self, death of the old nature, death of the old man, death of, of, of our own carnal ambitions and a new life in Christ. We're going to read later on that, that Jesus is going to say "He who he who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for, for eternal life. And it's interesting to note that, I mean, as you go out there, I and mean, how you guys have to share the gospel one time or another? Or you talk to a co family or a family member. You know, and, and everyone's kind of you know, just normal uh, thought process is that hey, well, I come to God. You know, apart from the Bible, I could come to God apart from Jesus Christ. I could come to God apart from the blood of the Lamb. I could come to God apart from the blood of Jesus Christ, who sheds my sins. And we see that's not true. According to Scripture, fellowship with Christ only comes through the through the death of the natural man. The Bible says that that that, that the natural man, that the things of, of the flesh, are, not, are an abomination to God. There's no way, absolutely no way, that we come to God, to a true fellowship with the Lord you know, apart from, from, from His blood and apart from, from saving faith in Jesus Christ. So we see that fellowship with Christ comes by death of the old self and a new life in Christ. So we see Lazarus fellowshipping, Martha serving, as not a surprise now, and Mary worshiping the Lord. It's cool to see that uh, Dr. J. Vernon McGee pointed out that this is a great picture of the church, you know, and all three are essential. You have uh, Lazarus fellowshiping, Martha serving, and Mary worshiping. I I was probably seeing him in the morning, and he's actually going through through John, and he mentioned that he said we have a great picture of the church here. You know, fellowship, uh, worship, and service. You know, and a lot of people with Mary for for serving. You know, every, every time we see her, she's serving, she's busy stuff. But I am not here, You know, I'm her. I am not here. I like I like many about Mary. You know, because I can set myself a marriage sometimes where I'm just like, we gotta do this, we gotta do that, you know, and I think that's a good thing. You know, I think the Lord created us like that for a purpose. You know, he created certain individuals with just that keen eye to look at detail, to so that guy, this needs to be done, that needs to be done. And if we never had those people, then I think nothing would ever get done. <laughs> because even if you're not that person, you know, you see somebody else doing it, it kind of inspires you, right? You see someone else serving, you see someone else catching things that you don't catch, and you're like, oh, my mom would just jump in as well, you know? So, so a lot of people, not Martha, say, you anymore, know, she's a busy body or whatever, I love Martha, I love
1: Martha.
0: So I don't know her. So again, we see her here, we see her here uh, serving, serving the Lord. We see Lazarus, all worshiping with the Lord. And we see Mary worshiping the Lord as she just uh, anoints her with this, with this fragrant oil. And then also we see uh, Judas. We're introduced here to, to Judas, who's the money holder. It says that, that when Judas saw that, that Mary anointed the feet of Jesus with this costly oil, his response wasn't like, man, I toss Praise God, I gonna worship God too. No, what he said was, they said, why wasn't this friggin' oil not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor? You know, now John tells us that not that he cared about the poor, but because you know he was the money holder, he, he held the money box, and actually he would just dip his hand into the money box and a while all take the money. So he was taking the money. You know, he was, he was he was in it for the monetary gain. You know, and, and it's interesting that, that nobody expected Judas to be the betrayer because of his position within the 12 disciples. You know, if you think about it, he's the only one who had an actual position. From all of Jesus' disciples, of the 12 disciples, none of them had an actual role within the group, none of them had an actual position within the group. I mean, they had things that they did in the past, you know, like Matthew, the, the tax collector, but, you know, and uh, and Peter, the fisherman. <clears throat> I mean, when he came to the Lord, I mean, the Lord never gave an actual role to anybody except for Judas. He was the traitor, he, he was the money holder. So it, so none of the disciples ever 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 thought that Judas would, would betray them because of you know, his position within the 12. They thought, hey man, well, well, the Lord trusts Judas. You know, the Lord trusts him with the money, he's, he's trusting him with the funds. So they must they must have some tight connection there someday. You know, so that's what was a, was a surprise to all of them when, when Judas betrayed him. You know, so nobody expected him to be betrayed betrayer because of his position. But we see that the love of money corrupts even the most honest individuals i'm not saying that Judas that was honest or anything i mean you know, we don't know anything about him besides what the scripture tells us but but we do know that the love of money corrupts even the most honest individuals we see that in 1 timothy chapter 6 verses 9 through 10 it says this it says but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So we see that the love of money is a root for all kinds of evil. I'm not saying that money itself, money in itself, is not evil. And, and, and the Lord, the Lord blesses individuals with, with with monetary things, you know, with good positions, with good-paying jobs. You know, the Lord is blessing me with a good-paying job. I mean, money in itself is, is not a bad thing. Money in itself is not an evil thing. But it's it's when when that when that desire now is birthed in the heart of the individual to, to get more money, get more money. Then that desire for monetary gain takes the place of God in the heart. Now instead of worshiping God, you're worshiping the, the, the desire to get more money, the desire to have more things. And, and that word that, that Paul uses there in First Timothy for desire, you know, it's something that, that that they strive for, something that they live for It's pretty much making 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 this like your 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 bread and butter, you live and breathe and and and, and want money. So that's when it becomes a sin. And I say that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. wrong. I, I know individuals who, you know, to do great things with their with their money. I mean, they bless the sort of ministries, they support missionaries, they support works that are going on around the world. You know, they bless the poor. You know, money itself is always not evil. So don't get me wrong.
1: Should, all those things are not evil. You
0: know, but it's when those things take the place of God in your heart that it becomes sin. So we see that this is what happened to Judas. You know, he was entrusted with the money box, You know, and, and you know, it wasn't until the level of the money got to him, you know, he started taking out from, from the money box, stealing from the Lord, and it became sinner, and it ultimately led to him betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, which was the price of a common slave. That's crazy. And we see uh, Mary was the only one that understood that Jesus had to die and see right there in verse 7 it says, Jesus said, Leave her alone, she has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, for me you do not have always. You know, so Judas started giving, giving Mary stuff for Hey, man, why are you wasting that costly perfume? Why are you wasting that costly oil? You know, the, the amount of, 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 of oil, of, of perfume that, that Mary poured on Jesus was pretty much equivalent to the amount of what somebody would have saved throughout the whole year to buy this thing. So he's saying, "Hey man, we could have sold that and you know given it to the poor." So he starts pretty much just just coming down on her, you know. But Jesus said that that Mary was the only one who understood that he had to die. He says that that Mary did this because he was she was preparing him for his burial. And I think that's pretty cool, you know Because um, Tony a couple weeks ago was was talking about how the Lord uh, uh, how the Lord chose to reveal himself, you know, to live in the women of the tomb. Right, and we thought that just how, how 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 contrary to the culture it would have been at that time, because because they in Israel at the time, you know, the women were kind of just looked down as second class uh, citizens. But to think that, that the Lord showed revealed Himself to to the women, He to first, instead of the man, instead of anybody else, but to the women. And we see that here, that that even within the twelve disciples, you know, Jesus', Jesus boys, you know, the most were with them at all times. Even even these guys didn't really fully understand what was going to happen to Jesus, but Mary understood. She caught it, you know, she caught it, and she understood that, that the things that the Lord was saying, that the things that Jesus was saying, you know, that he was pretty much preparing them for, for, for them seeing him go to the cross. So she goes and she pretty much, she, she just, she gets her oil. And I thought it was interesting too that, that you know, that her brother had just passed away. We read a chapter earlier that Lazarus had passed away. And notice that she didn't give, she didn't give oil to Lazarus when he died. Even though that was her brother, even though she loved her brother, no doubt, you know, she kept all of it for herself. You know, like, so back in the day, some that, that, that these people would buy, and they would save for their own burial, because you know, when, when somebody dies, the corpse start, starts smelling right away. Mm-hmm. So it's something that that, that was very, uh, very dear, very precious to uh, I, I just thought it was funny, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that Jesus didn't, I mean, that Mary didn't give it to her brother Lazarus. You know, she kept it for herself. Mm-hmm. So that was expensive. You know, it was dear to her. She was probably saving up for years just to buy this thing. So her pouring out her most prized possession is a sign of her devotion. It's like her just saying, Jesus, you can just have it all. Even, even my most prized possession, the thing that I that, 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 that wouldn't even pour out on my brother. Lord, you can have that. I pour it out on your feet. Lord, you can have it all. So we see her devotion to Jesus. We see her love for the Lord. We see her her, her worship unto the Lord. She was pretty much just saying, Lord, everything I have is yours. She was telling Jesus, Lord, you're my most prized possession, not this. you're saying, Lord, this, or you come before this. I thought it was beautiful. Verses 9 through 19 says this. <clears throat> now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in their hearts, believed in Jesus. The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that jesus was coming to jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord the king of israel then jesus when he had found a young donkey sat on it as it is written fear not daughter of zion behold your king is coming sitting on a donkey's colt his disciples did not understand these things at first but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him, and that they, they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus, out the two him and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him, because they heard that he had done this sign. So we come to into the section of the chapter of John, where we typically know it as the triumphal entry, as the Lord's triumphal entry, and it's important for us and the other gospels that we're we'll going to look at here in John. We know that the triumphal entry, you know, and Luke 19 gives us another account of the same day. You know, Luke 19, 41 to 42 tells us that as Jesus came in on the, on, the, on the donkey. It says that he wept over Jerusalem. As he was coming into the city, he wept over Jerusalem. And he says something along the lines of, if you only knew, you know, uh, this day, the, the things that are, come up, that are coming upon you this day. It says that he wept from. Now, why was Jesus weeping for Jerusalem? Why was Jesus weeping over the city when he was coming and his triumphal entry? Because they had been prophesied in Scripture as a day that Messiah Prince would come into the city and take his rightful throne. So as Jesus was doing this, you know, he was fulfilling Scripture, he was fulfilling prophecy. And the people missed it. Yeah, some were, some were, were, were yelling, Hosanna, bless says you'll come in the name of the Lord. But others were saying, hey, shut up, you know, like the, 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 some of the religious leaders, some of the Jews were telling Jesus, hey, tell, tell your disciples to be quiet, tell, tell your disciples to not say anything, tell your disciples to shut up, because they don't like it, you know, and Jesus' response was, hey, if they don't say anything, the rocks are going to cry, why, because this day was prophesied, in scripture to happen, it's going to happen no matter what, someone's going to cry out no matter who it is, whether it's the people or whether it's the rocks. So we see that this day was prophesied in scripture. Uh, Daniel chapter 9 actually talks about this. And I wasn't going to go into it because I'm not good with the so good with prophecy, but I think it's it's, it's worth noting. But Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, you guys want to go there? We'll cover it quickly. So Daniel chapter 9 actually talks about this day. It talks about the the day that that, that, that the Lord was going to come into Jerusalem on the donkey. So Daniel chapter 9, verse 25 says this. As the angel Gabriel is meeting Daniel, he meets him him in a vision, he starts giving him all this prophetic scripture telling him the things that are going to happen in the future and and when Messiah is going to come into the city and take his rightful place. He says this in verse 25, he says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks the streets shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times so the angel Gabriel here is giving is giving Daniel a prophecy you know and he's giving him a timeline, a timeline he sets up a timeline for him and at this time you know keep in mind that, that the jews were, were were in captivity you know they had, been take, uh, they had been taken captive into Babylon you know and, and the city and the and, and the temple were were desolate so they were slaves but the angel Gabriel he he, he talked to Daniel he tells him he gives him a time he says look he says, "Understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem unto Messiah Prince." So he's telling them that there's going to be a point where there's going to be a command to to, to restore and to build and to rebuild Jerusalem. So from that point on unto Messiah Prince, he says there's going to be seventy seven weeks and sixty two weeks. So he, he gives them an exact time. And we know that this seven weeks isn't isn't a literal seven weeks as we see here, you know, but it's it's seven time periods of seven. So seven years. So seven years plus sixty-two weeks is sixty-two. So that's 49 plus uh, 434. That would have been 483 years. So he says, from the time time that the command is, is given to rebuild Jerusalem, 483 years later from there, it says Messiah prince will come. Now, the, the, the Jews, you know, they, they, don't, they don't use a 365-day calendar like we do, they use a 360-day calendar. So it's interesting to note that, that that command did go forth, and that command, you know, you could read it there in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Ezra was given the command to rebuild the temple, but, but Nehemiah was given the command to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. So if you do the math, uh, 483 years or so 483 years times 360, it would have been seventy-three thousand eight hundred eighty days from the decree of Artaxerxes, who's Was there Nehemiah was the king at the time of Nehemiah, to the coming of Messiah. There's this guy, uh, Sir Robert Anderson, who writes a book. I think it's called The Coming Prince or the Coming King, something like that. You no, know, he he breaks it down day by day. He says those seven weeks and those sixty-two weeks equals four hundred eighty-three years. Those four hundred eighty-three years times three hundred sixty days. It would have been 173,880 days from the decree that our exertions gave Nehemiah to rebuild Jerusalem. And he, he, he pins it down all up into the day of that that, uh, that Jesus came down riding the donkey. Yeah, that's crazy. That's heavy. So now we see what, why Jesus wept as he came into Jerusalem and he saw people's hearts so hardened against him. Because he said, hey, if you guys would have known the day that has come upon you today, if you guys would have known. But they didn't. They completely missed it. But because they missed it, you know, we entered this time now of, of, the, of the church, the church age, which is what we did living now. Right, and now, now grace is extended to the Gentiles, which is us, you know, the non-Jews. Now we wait for the rapture to come and then this, this pretty much, this, this time plot is going to continue once the church is out of the picture. That's like a whole other study for a whole other day. So see the triumphal entry. It says that the next day, the great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, And they cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then John tells us that his disciples didn't realize what was going on until after he had been crucified and descended. So, so, so John is writing here, you know, some 70 years after this had happened. He was, again, the last of the gospel writers. He, he, he was the last of the gospel, the, the last living disciples. And so he wrote his, his gospel after, after Matthew wrote his, after Luke wrote his, after Mark wrote, wrote his. And he's looking back and he's saying there, verse 16 says, The disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, meaning when Jesus had already been crucified and ascended, it says, then they remember that these things were written about him, and that they had done these things. And I just think that's so cool, because they're just normal guys. They're like, oh, that's what he was talking about. <laughs> well, until way after, they we were there realizing, like, oh man, that's that's what he meant. Right? And I think about uh, there in Luke chapter 24, verse 27, where it talks about the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. After the Lord had been crucified, the Bible tells David Luke that the <coughs> two disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus, and that the Lord met them. As they were walking on the Lord to Emmaus and pretty much telling them, hey, why are you guys so sad? You know, they, they didn't recognize that it was the Lord. And as he's talking to them, he's telling hey, why are you guys so sad? i like, hey, well, where have you been? Are you know, you're a stranger or what? You don't you know what, what happened? There's this guy, Jesus, and He he's the Messiah, but the, the woman's crucified. And then it says right there that, that Jesus began to tell them, like, hey, these things were prophesied about him. And that Jesus began to break down from scriptures. and that from Scripture, from the Old Testament, he pretty much just starts to expound everything concerning himself. So preverse just starts giving him a whole Bible study from the Old Testament all the
1: all the scripture, about all the prophecies related to himself from him to, to, to the future to of Jesus
0: Christ. Don't wonder if maybe this is the the, the, the time when the disciples would be oh man, that's what he meant. You know, because no doubt Jesus would have talked about Daniel, no doubt Jesus would have talked about Genesis, no doubt Jesus would have talked about every single scripture in the Old Testament that pointed to him. So we see that the disciples at the moment when this is happening, they don't know what's going on. You know, he's coming in, he's trying to play entry, he's on a donkey, people are yelling Hosanna. They're just like, I <laughs> don't know what's going on. But they realize it afterwards. Right? And I didn't go too far And we also see the fruit of the death of Lazarus. You know and also right there in verse seventeen it says, Therefore the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. So in chapter eleven, if you guys were with us, you know, and you remember that that uh, that as Mary and Martha were there at the house mourning for Lazarus for the death of their brother, you see that that, the other people came to the household as well. And and they they were were mourning with them as well. And Jesus comes into the household, you know, he sees this, just pretty much a scene of desperation, you know, weeping, wailing. I mean, if you guys ever had a loved one pass away, then you know what that looks like. Everyone's in despair, that's pretty much just, I mean, there's no way to comfort anybody in their pain. So Jesus walks into this room and he you know, sees all these people, not just Mary and Martha, not just the family of Lazarus, but spectators who were there as well in the And Jesus goes on to, to, to pray and pray and he says, Lord, I know that you always hear me, but I, I say this not for myself, but for their sake, so that they could hear and so that they could believe. <laughs> and now we see here in verse 17, I says that, Therefore the people who were there with them, when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. So see that the Lord has a purpose in everything that He does. We may not understand it at the time, most of the time, almost probably never understand it, at the time what's going on. I mean, I had a brother passed away in 2017. You know, some of you guys know he committed suicide at the time. I was like man, you know, all this stuff start, start going through and like, why this, that, and the other. You get like, a million questions in your head, you know. And then I just going back in uh, four years now and I've seen fruit of, 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 of that incident. You know, I, I, see, I see the Lord that, that he used that incident, you know, to bring many to him, to himself, to salvation. That he used that incident to, to <clears throat> keep in mind who with him. You know, but like in the moment, you don't know what's going on. You know, in the moment, you just have all kinds of questions to the Lord. And, and then you just, you're questioning your you're questioning your motives. But we see that the Lord all along, you we saw, saw, and the Lord is completely in control of every single situation of our lives especially the one that we have in control over. The like, Lord loves to glorify Himself in these situations where, where we recognize that, man, there's nothing I can do about this. Lord, there's absolutely nothing I can do to, to offer help. Lord, there's absolutely nothing I can do to lift myself up out of this pit. You know, it's in times like that when the Lord loves to glorify Himself. When we see that, that, is, that is, again, as it says in Isaiah 55, that His ways are not our ways, and that our thoughts are not His thoughts. But as far as the heavens are from the earth, the Bible says that that's how from, His ways are from our ways and our thoughts from his thoughts But so definitely the lord knows what he's doing if you find yourself right now in a situation where you're like all right what's going on and i am not have sure if so i am saved. you start just questioning everything well that's the only thing that, that we have to hold on to and it's so enough you know is, is truth from scripture is the character of god and that he is sovereign i mean it's completely controlled every single situation so see now like, again or use this, this tragic incident of you know, the death of Lazarus. They use their pain you know, to minister to those spectators. Now the same spectators are now bearing witness of Jesus. That's awesome. It's producing fruit. Verse 20 says this, 20 through 28. It says, Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from the state of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew told Philip, who told Jesus, but Jesus answered them, saying, My hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where i am there my servant will be also if anyone serves me him my father will honor now my soul is troubled and what shall i say father save me from this hour but for this purpose i have come to this hour father glorify your name let's we'll start by saying that certain greeks came to jesus well they came to, to to philip wanting to meet jesus Now we don't know exactly if these are jewish greeks or if they're gentile greeks But most likely, this is my opinion, most likely they are Gentile Greek because of what was said in verse 19. Notice it says. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. So the Pharisees were upset because everyone was yelling Hosanna, praising Jesus, wanting to make him king. The phrases among themselves are discriminating and saying, Look, we're accomplishing I nothing. Mean, the whole world is coming to him. So they say, Look, the whole world is, is going after him, and then, I wish that certain Greeks come to him. That's why it's my opinion that, that, that these Greeks were not Jewish Greeks, but they were Gentile Greeks. Because these guys are saying, Hey, man, look, the whole world coming to him. You no, know, not just the Jews, not just, not just these guys, not just Samaritans, but everybody. So you see that people all over were beginning to hear about this Jesus, especially after people had proclaimed him as king. I mean, Jesus up to this point had been pretty low-key. I mean, yeah, he, he made a big scene in John chapter 7 that the Feast of Tabernacles, when he went in and said, if anyone thirsts, you know, he just meant the people. Right, but for the most part, you know, Jesus had stayed pretty low-key, and, and every time, you know, that, that, that he would kill somebody, who was say, hey, don't say anything, but just go your way, you know, go worship in the temple of the Lord, just keep it to yourself. And and we see that that throughout the scriptures up until this point, we see Jesus saying, My hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. And now He says, My hour has come. So we see that, no doubt, we're just getting around about Jesus. And so these Greeks come to Philip, and they say, and Philip goes to Andrew, and then these guys tell Philip, hey, we want to see Jesus. (laughs) And we see a Philip and Andrew picture of our, of our ministry as believers. You know, and we see that people ought to recognize us as followers of Christ. We are to stand out from the world, maybe not in a physical sense, but in a moral sense. I mean, looking at us, you know, it's, uh, I, I love the Lord you know, and, I love, and I love the church because I mean, only, only in Christ can, can just so many, you know, different people from different backgrounds and different, you know, ethnicities and different neighborhoods and different walks of life come together in him you know, it's only in Christ. But we see that, again, that the, that the Greeks recognize, you know, hey, that guy Philip, you know, I know he's one of Jesus' disciples. I don't think they have name badges or anything like that, so, you know, disciple, 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 but they just recognize, like, hey, he's, he's one of those guys. He's, he's one of those disciples of, uh, of, of Jesus. He's one of those followers of Jesus. So they came to him and say, hey, can you take to Jesus? So we see, that's a picture of us too, you know, as believers, you know, we're just stand out from the world. You know, people are, 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 are to be able to look at us and, and know, like, I don't want to know God. I that person. You know, I talk to you know, I talk to I know that, that that they have, you know, Christ. I know that they have the truth. I know that they know the Lord. So see that people need to know that in their search for truth, in their search for peace, in their search for fulfillment, that you and I can point them to the one true God. Please so Greeks don't go to the religious leaders, they don't go to the Pharisees, they don't go to the, Sadius, they go to the Sadducees, they don't go to the to the people there turned to the temple, and then one of the people who took the sacrifices. They go to Philip. Like, hey, I wanna see Jesus. <laughs> and that's us. I mean, there was nothing special about Philip. We're so just a follower of Jesus. You know. And that's us. I mean, we're not gonna be anything special but we're just like uh, we better the name of Christ. You know, people come to us and our job is just to we're pretty much just, just do this. When you come to you, you just have them out to the Lord. Yeah. Right? That's our ministry. So Jesus says, the hour has come. Mm -hmm. And now Jesus begins to talk about his death. I like what he said there, you know, he starts saying, he says, most assuredly I I say to you there verse 24, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So he gives us an example of a grain, of a a seed. He says He says, Unless this grain of wheat dies, it's going to be alone. So what he's saying is pretty much like, hey, man, take this little seed. You know, if if, if this, if you never bury this seed, you know that then, then it's not going to die. And yeah, right, you're spare it from death, but it's going to be short lived, and it's going to be alone by itself forever. <laughs> you know, if you never bury this seed and and, and and cause it to die, then it's going to remain, remain a seed. You know, but it's going to remain alone. But he says, if, if this green but when falls into the ground and dies because then it will produce much fruit. So that's what he's saying. You know, says the seed, like, he says, look at the seed. He says, you, you preserve it from, from going to the ground because you know that, that unless a seed goes into the ground, it can't die. But if a seed goes into the ground and dies, it germinates. And what does it do? It produces a, fla- a, a plant, a flower, whatever it may be. And that in turn produces uh, fruit, which produces more, more seeds, which continues the process. So he says hey man if, if the seed doesn't doesn't die like, yeah you, you might you might serve it for a few years i mean a seed can only live like two or five years uh, above ground without planting then it's no good like yeah you save yourself from dying but you're short-lived i mean you a short life and it's meaningless but he says unless the seed dies so they can't produce more fruit and so he likens his life he likens his ministry to this grain of wheat so he says hey like i like this grain of wheat need to be buried need to die to I to produce life. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to say, he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternity. Mm-hmm. So Jesus speaks here about his death and his resurrection, but it's also applicable for us as well because we must die to sell. We must die to sell so that God can do that work in and through us which will produce fruit to eternal life. I mean guys we, we can't we can't walk with the Lord and and just to hold on to our will to our will. You know what I mean? Jesus said right there, Max he who loves this life in this world will lose it. And I think sometimes you know as believers as believers you know where to sometimes you fall into these little these little funks, you know, we tend to just oh man, it's a worldly pursuit, you know you're holding on to your your life with your life, you might know, think, oh yeah, I'll do Jesus and this, you know, and, and you make this other thing, you know, your, your, your main goal in life, but you disregard Christ in your life. You need to be short live. So it says, well, you know, as believers, we're, we're, we're called to, to put to death our own will, our own desires, and sometimes, you know, as believers, we hear these things and we think, oh, man, that's what, you know, that i got to come to Jesus and completely forget about everything, all my dreams and all my aspirations and all my goals and everything else. That's not what the Lord is saying. The Lord can use those things. You know, but as long as you have your will above God's, as long as you have, you know, the love of your life, the love for your own life above the love for Christ, then, then God can't use you. It's plain and simple. Jesus, there in the Gospel of Luke, He says, you know, if anybody comes after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. You know, we see that the cross was the instrument of death. So to the hearer at the time, you know, that the cross the cross was a shameful thing, it was, it was a humiliating thing. But it was an instrument of death. He says, "Hey, man, whoever desires to follow me, let him die. (laughs) You know, take up your cross and come to me." He said, "If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor." And I just think that is amazing. I mean, we could just we could read through this, you know, so easily and so quickly, just and and and. And neglect you know, like the depths of the statement right here. To think that God the Father will honor you for serving Christ. To think that, that the God of the whole universe, that the God of the whole universe, the creator of heaven and earth, you know, who was and is and is to come, the you one know, who created everything, too. like God Himself will honor you, who honor me. Come on. That's heavy. So he says if if anybody desires to be my servant, he says, everybody serves me, Him, my Father will honor. And that's what it's all about, guys. Not about seeking honor from man, not about seeking honor from, you know, home not about seeking honor from our neighbors, not about seeking honor from family members, not about seeking honor, you know, getting your name on a plaque and moving on the wall and eventually the building gets torn down or whatever. It's all about seeking that honor that comes from the Father. Because that's something that nobody can take away. So I do like, uh, I could be honored for something I did, and then, you know, and write my name on a plaque on the wall, and later on, I do something stupid, because I do a lot of stupid things, and then I'm like, all right, take it down. <laughs> That's it. like take the Lord honors you, no one can take that away from you. That's coming straight from the Lord. So he says, if anyone serves me, him, my Father, will honor. And he says, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? So I say, Matt, my soul is troubled, but what am I gonna say, Lord? I can't do this, no. you saying, but for this purpose I came t- to this hour. And he says, Father, glorify your name. The verse 29 says, Therefore the people who oh sorry, it says Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I will glorify it, and will glorify it again. ask me so as the Lord is there just talking to talking to the Father. You know, the Father speaks from heaven and man, everyone hears it. And he says, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Then verse 29 says, therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel had spoken. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. That includes us. All peoples pushing your name right here, This he said, signifying by what death he would die. The people answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is the son of man? Then Jesus said to them, a little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light these things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. But, verse 37, although he had done so many things, so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed the report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, verse 40, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, that they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke. It's a lot to take in. Pretty much, again, Jesus is talking to the Father. He says, "Father, glorify Your name." The Father speaks from heaven. He says, "I have both glorified it and will glorify it again." Now, there's spectators there, right there. You know, so there's there's people who were, who were there with Jesus. You know, those who had been in the house of Lazarus when he died, when they were resurrected. Him. The people who, who, who heard this voice also. We say that now God the Father speaks and the people don't know what to make of it. You know, so there was a mixed response. You know, Some said, hey, it, it, it's, it was thunder. And others said, hey, an angel has spoken. You know, so the robot. was It was a voice of God testifying to what He has He was doing through His own Son. They missed it. We see that all of the people had seen and heard of all the miracles Jesus did. Now we hear the voice of God the Father Himself, but still, some still don't believe. It says there in verse 37, they did not believe in Him. I just think that's so heavy. I mean, I read this out right now. What else do you guys need? But in the Lord reminded me all the time that He tried to get a hold of me, and and I didn't listen, and I didn't believe, and He didn't say, "Hey, what else do you need?" You're so gracious to me. I mean, he's been so gracious to all of us. I'm a busy- People hear the voice of God, you know, and some still don't believe. And John, the writer, he goes on to say that that, uh, that, that the word of Isaiah, the prophet, might, might be fulfilled. So that, that they didn't believe because this was actually prophesied that, that they wouldn't believe. So the prophet Isaiah writes and he says, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. So this was speaking, you know, so this was written in Acts 600 years before and it was talking about Jesus it was talking about this very hour that that, that we're reading about that Jesus was going to present himself to the people that they weren't going to believe Mm he says there in in verse 39 therefore they could not believe so they could not believe because Isaiah said again he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so if you're if you're smarter than the average prayer then you're thinking right now no that's not fair so they couldn't believe because it was prophesied that they couldn't believe so it wasn't that, that that God hardened their hearts, but it was that they hardened their own hearts, and the Lord just gave more to their hardened hearts. You know, so we, we read and we see that it says that, that, that the Lord blinded their eyes and they hardened their hearts, so they wouldn't see it, so they wouldn't understand. And we think that's kind of messed up, that's you know, kind of cruel of God, why would God do that? Why would God keep these people from coming to Him? That's not God. God didn't do that. Because that contradicts Scripture. The Bible says that, that, that God desires for none to perish, but for all to come to salvation. So we see that this is kind of a, you know John's way of, of describing this. You know, so wasn't it that, that, that the people hardened? Wasn't that that God had hardened the hearts of the people? But it was that the people hardened their hearts time after time after time after time that it got to the point where God said, "All right, I'm going to give you over to your hardened heart." And right, it reminded me of what's going on in uh, the book of Exodus. There with Pharaoh. You know, as as the Lord called Moses to, to deliver the people of Israel. You know and, and he sends 10 plagues and if you guys are if you guys read through you know very time, various times you'll see and the lord hardened the heart of pharaoh and the lord hardened the heart of pharaoh and the lord hardened the heart of pharaoh and then it says and pharaoh hardened his own heart so which one is it now the, the words right there for hardened are, are different i don't know off the top of my head but but the, the hebrew word for it is different you know so it says that that pharaoh hardened his heart and then when it said that, that, that the Lord hardened his heart, he it he the, the word for hardened, that he uses there for the Lord it says, it's confirmed. So solidified. So God solidified Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart time and time again after seeing these great signs from after seeing these great signs from God, after seeing God's mighty hand, is that like he hardened his heart, but he got to a point where he had just rejected God so to the fullest, that God confirmed his heart and heart. And that's what's going on right here too. So that the people who had just rejected, rejection after rejection after rejection, that the Lord says, all right, I'm gonna give you over to your rejecting heart. You know, and that's something that the Lord allows today. I mean, we've give given free will, you know, and again, the Lord's desire is for none to perish, but, but I definitely believe that, 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 that there can be an individual, that there's individuals, that there is individuals who, who willfully, knowingly choose to harden their heart to the truth of God, to the truth of God's Scripture, to 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 such a degree that the Lord just says, "I can't force you," because God doesn't force us. You know, God has never going to force our own will. I think about this pastor that, that I know, Pastor David you know, and he always says this. He says, "Hey, man, God's not going to force you. You know, he says, God's not going to force you to love you because." Forceful love is rape. And God is not a rapist. He's not gonna force you to love him. So I definitely believe that that that, that there's individuals who, who just harden their heart to such a degree that the Lord says, I can't force you to love me. So he gives them open to their hardened heart. And heart. And that's what's going on here. That's what happened with Pharaoh and that's what happens today. But we don't no control of that. You know, our our job is to is to preach the gospel, you know, is to is to give them the truth of scripture. Jesus says later on in John chapter 15, as he's praying to the Father, he says, Lord, sanctify them by your truth.
1: Your word is true." Jesus,
0: Now that word sanctify means set apart. So says, Lord set them apart by your truth, your word is truth. And you think about your own walk, your own life, you know, each and every one of us are here because we were sanctified by God's truth. We heard the gospel, which is God's truth, and it separated us from the world, it separated us from our own life, and it caused us to just believe in Christ. Yeah. And, and that's, that, that same offer is, is, is on the table for everybody, every single individual in this world. Nobody is, is too far away from God's reach. No, nobody is too far away from God's grace. Nobody is too gone, too far gone from God's love. Like I said, there in Romans, you know, what can separate us from the love of God? Can death? Can tribulation? Can angels? Can principalities? Can heights? Can lows? Can death and is Hey, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Yeah, our job is to go out there and just preach the gospel. And just start scattering your seed. Ooh, pray for those seeds, pray for those people that like get those seeds. and continue to pray for them. And Lord, let that seed just germinate in their heart and bring fruit. Verse 42 says it. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did, because of the Pharisees they did not confess. Him. So it says, Many of the rulers believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Talking about God the Father. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. Talking about God the Father. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness and if anyone hears my words and does not believe i do not judge him for i did not come to the world to judge i did not come to judge the world but to save the world verse 48 he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him the word that i have spoken Will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken in my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command that I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. So we come to this last portion here in the, in chapter twelve of the Gospel of John, and and we see these uh, these secret believers. And so it says that 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 some of the rulers. Some of the, the rulers there amongst the people believed in him, but they didn't confess him. So some of the rulers believed in him. That was pretty heavy. You know, some of the religious leaders, some of the rulers, some of the top top dog guys you know, believed in Jesus, but they didn't confess him because of the Pharisees. You know, so they, much they didn't pretty much chicken. They were scared of what you know, the Pharisees were gonna say. They were scared of what they were gonna do. And then more than that, they were scared of you know, being put out of the synagogue. It says, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So these secret believers, and these last verses right here—you know—these are the last words of Jesus' public ministry recorded for us here in the Gospel of John. The thing is that the last words of Jesus' public ministry to the public, you know, are, are aimed towards these secret believers. You know, now there's a lot of reasons why someone won't come to the Lord. When, when I mean, I met guys—you know, even just right now as I'm, as I'm talking, I'm thinking about one of my coworkers, man. I just met him not too long ago, you know, he, where he read the talking and stuff, he's like, yeah, man, just got out, you know, and I've been out for like four months now, this is like the longest I've been out, so, like, he's mid-40s, you know, and I was like, yeah, as long as I've been clean, too, I'm like, oh, that's cool, man, I was like, how'd you do it? And of course, me. I was looking for ways to just throw Jesus in there, I'm like, how'd you do it, you know, and then uh, he says, he says, oh, he says, man, I give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and my heart, I mean, He goes by the devil, like, really? So I said, really? And I, I think he took it the wrong way. I was like, really? And he's like, oh, no, I'm not just kidding. Just, uh, no, you know, therapy. And in my head, you know, I, I, I didn't ask any further questions, you know, but in my head, I'm thinking, man, you know, he was embarrassed. <laughs> he was embarrassed because of his, uh, the way I reacted. I guess he took it the wrong way. And i of like, really? Maybe, maybe he thought I was making fun or something. I wasn't. You know, but, but he, was, he was scared to just to, to talk any further about Jesus. You know, man. He was scared to talk about, embarrassed. To talk any further about, about his conversion, about how we were set free. You know, but but uh, there's there's people like that. You know? I mean, we could be like that sometimes too. You know, I like have been like that sometimes too. You know, where people are talking and you know, and, and you're scared of you're like okay, I mean, you know you're the only Christian in the room and and so you feel intimidated and you don't say anything. You know, I've done that. But we said there's a lot of reasons why someone won't come to the Lord openly, like these guys. You know, but ultimately it comes down to this. So right there it says that 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 they love the praise of men more than the praise of God, and it ultimately comes down to this. That they care too much about what other people think about them. They care too much about what other people think about them. And my thought is like, if mean, you care so much about what people think about you, then serve them. No, why not? Might as well. If you care so much about what other people think about you that you want to put your, your 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 faith in Christ on the back burner. For them and serve them. You're pretty much already giving your will over to them. You're to certain. So these people, that they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. non closing you know, we're privileged to live in such a twisted time. I mean, these are twisted times of in. But we're privileged to live in such twisted time because it doesn't take much to stand out, you know? I mean, any one of us could just easily stick out like sore thumbs, you know what I mean? What well, you know guys, what you don't drink? What well, you know, this, that, the other, and like boom, right away, you know. You're pretty much like in any worldly setting and, and, and we stick out like show thumbs. Because we place our faith in Jesus you know, and we just stick out. Because the world is so twisted, so dark right now. So in a good in a sense that's that's good for us, because you know, it gives us kinda of just that's half the battle is breaking the ice. You know, but they already know you're different, so that's already that's already out of the way. But when we were born for such a time as this, you know, like like was said to Esther. Esther, you know, her, her uncle Mordecai. You know, she, she, she had a chance to, 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 to save the Jews, you know, and she was kind of like, no, but well, you know, I'm not, I'm not really supposed to over there before the king. And Mordecai says, hey man, what if you we were born for such a time as this to save us? And all of us, man, we're privileged to be born for such a time as this to think Like God could have had us born at any time. I love like the '50s and the '50s and '60s, and I would, I would always say, man, I wish I was born in the '50s our style of music and cool. I mean, we're privileged that the Lord allowed us to be born at this time for such a time as this you know, we're privileged that the Lord has, has made us nice, you know, among so much darkness right now you know, he called us he saved us and he's preserving us for the days we're living in and now more than ever do we as believers need to shine the light of Jesus in this dark world I and mean, guys the things are only getting darker I don't know if you guys have, you know, been keeping up with what's going on in Israel and stuff like that, you know, but um, a couple of weeks ago, the, the Arab nation pretty much put out a statement, you know, saying that, uh, so we, we know that the, 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 the Jews, you know, the traditional uh, location of the Jewish temple was right there where, where the, where the, Dome, of the what's it called? Dome of the Rock, the Dome of the Rock is right there in Jerusalem, right? There's a big mosque that the Arabs have, and that's the traditional place of, of the Jewish temple. Now, now we know that, 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 that during the tribulation period, halfway through the tribulation period, three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to come in. He's going to give the Jews permission to start building again their temple. Now they're going to build it in a different location. They're going to build it where it used to be. You know, but to think like, man, how is that, that going to happen? You know I mean, the Arabs own that place pretty much. They have their mosque there. They'll, they'll, they'll never give up for anything. And they'll die defending that thing, defending that location. But a couple of weeks ago, the, the Arab nation came out with a statement saying that they don't care where the Jews worship, but as long as you know they don't touch uh, Mecca and Medina. They're like the Dome of the Rock, they can have it. They're like we don't care. I mean the Jews they can worship wherever they want. We could care that but we want Mecca and we want Medina. So that pretty much opens the door for the Jews to have permission to start rebuilding their their, their temple. A couple years ago, you know if you guys ever been, ever been to Israel, um a couple years ago we went and they're in, in Jerusalem. There's, there's what's called the Temple Institute. We go in, and it's pretty cool. It's like a museum, and, and they have different rooms. And every room, it's like little chambers. Every chamber has like a, has on display all the stuff, all the utensils for the Old Testament, like the old, old Testament Tabernacle, all the stuff that they were using in the rituals. You know, and then the the last room you sit in, it's like a little theater. You sit down, then you and watch a movie, and then they start showing this uh, digital blueprint of the Third Temple. You you think that they have every single spec down, every single... uh, uh, So those guys are in the structure, you guys own blueprints. And they have every single blueprint in digital form. And they have everything pretty much already set up. And all they need is for someone to say, go for it. And that's it. So I'm trying to say is is math. We're living the last days. You know, we're living the last days and we're living definitely in dark times. If you're thinking about backsliding, don't backslide. There's not the time to backslide. You know, but this is the time to just dive deep into the things of God. This time to just say, man, Lord, your will be done, or whatever you want to do with me. You know, my pastor, Pastor Tony this morning was saying, uh, hey, man, we're close to the rapture. I mean, we don't know whether the rapture is going to come. I don't know, to I get into the whole time, so nobody knows. But, but we know that, that, that because of what's going on around, we can see that the stage is already being set up. And when the Lord comes and takes his church, hey, man. We want to be caught, you know, being busy about our father's business. We don't want to be caught in sin and darkness and and, and a in a backslidden state. We don't want to be caught, you know, losing in shameful imagine 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 the Lord comes back to our church and you're right in the middle of some sinful stuff. Man goes suck. But now more than ever, you know, is is do do we as believers need to shine the light for Jesus? As We're worshiping you, you know, and Mr. of like just, uh, so it didn't speak a light here in St. Terrence, and I love that, you know, because Jesus told his, told his followers, "Hey, you are the light of the world. You are, you know, the the, the, the candle set on the hill, said, uh, the lamp set on the hill. He says, hey, nobody puts a candle, you know, under 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 a cover where they won't see it, you know. And they put the, cup, the candle up, and the hill is up. But I eyes like the light up everything. That that's where we're at right now.'" so much darkness around us and we're just that you know, light on the hill just shining for Jesus. That's my prayer for this church. That's my prayer for each and every one of us. Wherever it is that you fellowship, my prayer is that, is that, that we would be a light there uh, for those who don't know the Lord, for those who don't know Jesus, that we would be just a shining, burning light. Uh, and that, that people would, would see us and that we would just be able to do this. Just give us straight to the Lord. Give us to Jesus. It would be like that Philip and that, that Andrew would just say, No. That's my prayer for this church. That's my prayer for us. And in closing, this morning, just close out in a word of prayer. So you come out and start worshiping. And We're just going to have this time of worship, you know, and um, as we as close out and as we worship the Lord, I encourage you guys to just pour your heart into the Lord. I mean, we're amongst family here, you know, we're amongst. Believers, worldmarks, you know, uh, like-minded individuals, pour, pour your heart to the Lord, whatever it is that the word putting your heart to, to pray for, it. uh, there, there we are, you know, the word putting your heart to pray for for somebody next to you, for somebody in the room. Just just give it to give it to the Lord. So Father God, as we just close out, Lord, I just pray, that that uh, I know that 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 first that you sure, baptized with the Holy Spirit, Father. As we come to you, Lord, we just want to ask that you would just empty us of ourselves, Lord, as we are just being emptied, Lord, that you would fill us to the brim and then some, Lord, that you would fill us to the brim with the Holy Spirit, Lord, and then overflow us, Father. Lord. Lord, it calls us to walk in power and power and bring us, Lord. And I pray for God, that for each God, one of my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that, that we will leave, we'll shine we'll shining burning light for you, Lord. And Father, cause uh, call us to just go deeper into the things of God, into those callings, Lord. For, our, for anybody here who's, who's questioning their calling in the Lord, I pray, Father, that you would make it clear in their life today, Lord, what it is that you have called them to do. I pray, Father, that, that you would reveal your discerned will in their lives, specifically, Father, so that they can, they can serve you in anybody. Father, continue to go before us, Lord, and just be our strength, be our rock, be our everything, Lord, and we ask you, in Jesus' name. Amen.